Hello, everyone. Hope you've had a great week. This is James Morgan with Everald Compton for this week's episode of Old Everald and Young James Talk Politics. How are you, Ev? Well, James, and I'm all fired up and ready to go. I think you want to, we said last week we talk about universal basic income, so we've been on to that. I want to get on to a few things, uh, other things, but uh, you, you tell me your views on uh, universal basic income. I'm an enormous advocate of it, a supporter of it. Well, what is, what's your view? Well, um, I've always been a bit, not sceptical of the idea, but not fully informed about the idea. Um, I'd never taken the time to fully research the benefits, the um, detriments, etc. But this week, um, in preparation for being able to talk about it, I've had a bit of a look into it. Uh, and the outcomes from wherever it's been tried everywhere in the world um, have been sublime. Um, I was reading about Finland, who did a trial of it. And as most people who are listening might know, the Scandinavian countries are always sort of miles ahead when it comes to social justice and social um, reform in terms of um, welfare and benefits and things like that. Um, and in Finland, the results came in not only that it helped things like happiness levels and people's trust in institutions from courts to the police to government to public service, um, it also reduced unemployment. And of course, the big sort of bogeyman people throw at proposals like universal basic incomes um, uh, if we give people money just for the sake of it, they won't work, they'll be inclined to stay out of a job, etc. Um, but what that fails to recognise is the sort of important um, mental health and sanity benefits of people being able to look for a job knowing they have safe income support, um, being able to look for a job and devote their time into looking for work while not having to struggle to put food on the table because they're getting like a paltry pittance yeah. in welfare from the government. So not only are the sort of humanitarian outcomes great, um, which is enough to have me convinced already, um, for someone who's a bit sort of sceptical of the humanitarian outcomes and believes in individual responsibility and you know, um, traditional liberalism and small government intervention and all that, um, the economic benefits are there too. <laughs> well, um, Finland tried it, I think, in one county. They didn't try it in the whole country and once they picked one county that had all sorts of social issues and they gave it a try there. And I think they're now going to expand on My view of it is this. Just watching the COVID epidemic at the moment and Morrison's government has been throwing money at things and so have the state governments where they've had to throw money at something. I've got no uh, fault with that, but a lot of people got missed in it all, as happens with most governments, and a lot of very deserving people missed. And I said to myself, we've got to have something better, you know, than this. One of the benefits of universal basic income is that no one ever misses out. If you're a citizen of a country, whether you're trying to get childcare or, you know, or, or, or some medical help, or, you've, got, you've got a wage coming in every week. You don't miss out. You don't have to go through the agony of going down to Centrelink and applying. Everybody who's a registered voter you know, gets their, gets their money and there it is. So you don't miss anyone. You know, no, no, number two, that means that you can divert thousands upon thousands of public servants into more productive things from Australia than arguing with you and me about whether we're eligible for some benefit or other. And there could be a great, put them into the services industries in various ways if you've got a, you know, an innovative government. But then people say, well, if the wealthy guys will get the thing too, we'll put on the world. 
If the wealthy guys don't want it, the way to handle it is the government sets up a special fund, like the future fund, for the, to be used for social benefits for Australian people uh, in all sorts of ways. And so you, you have an elective. If you don't want to get the universal basic income because you're doing all right, you ask the government to pay your bit into that trust so that it works for Australia. And, and any any wealthy person who really can do that. Now, uh, a lot of people say, well, the, the initial outlay of, of this thing, uh, you know, will, uh, will be enormous. Well, now, it's not enormous, it's significant, but it removes every other form of welfare. That's the point. And so you, got, and so you, save, you save a lot of other welfare, you save a lot of money on public servants being in useless jobs instead of being in productive ones. I see enormous benefits. It's going to take a bit of political courage for someone to do it, <clears throat> but I believe it's on. And right now, looking at the new normal over COVID, an enlightened government would put it in, you know, right now. <laughs> and if, like in New South Wales, now, if, if, if COVID, this was in, we wouldn't have to be giving emergency help for small businesses. That small businessman would be getting his money every week. I mean, all of that nonsense would stop. So I think you and I better start advocating this uh, pretty strongly, James. Uh, I completely agree. And um, you've knocked down that, the, uh, the big, like, boogeyman people throw out universal basic incomes uh, aside from um, effects on unemployment, uh, which, as we've said, are sort of fake and not borne out by the data. The other um, big boogeyman people throw at it is, oh, you know, how are we going to pay for it? Um, but like you say, not only would it cut the, the cost of so much, um, like it would subsume the cost of existing welfare payments, the age pension, the disability pension, uh, youth allowance, uh, job seeker, et cetera, um, there'd be significantly less bureaucracy costs. Um, I don't know the exact number, but the government must spend so much money every year um, chasing down people for quote-unquote welfare debts when they think they've been paid like $5 too much and they send debt collectors to the edges of the earth to, to pursue you. Um, conversely, you know, with $12 million in JobKeeper for Jerry Harvey, they don't send a single debt collector to pursue him. That's beside the point. Um, like things like or, or, almost everything um, we can pay for with a fair attack system and stopping waste. You look at that $660 million um, car park rorts fund that right. the Liberals have set up recently. Um, well, that, that has been exposed recently, rather, where um, the Liberals funneled $660 million um, into marginal seats rather than seats of need um, with their infrastructure programs to win votes. I mean, $660 million is so much money and all the things you could do with that. So if... I'm probably asking too much if we had a government with integrity. No, well, um, I, think, I mean, corruption is always going to be with hmm. it. And I've got to say that every government of my lifetime, oh, yeah. my elections in some way, this current government has turned it into an art form, you know, which is no good. But I mean, so let's keep pushing a, a universal basic uh, income. Can I move on for a minute? We, we've got a couple of other things. I got stuck into Albo this week about giving Cromwell suggesting that he would give $300 to people to get a vaccine. And that was the most stupid policy I've seen in all my years of going to... And I was, felt quite ill after listening that Australia has descended to a point where we want to give $300 to somebody to tell them to save their life. I mean, that's 
you know, that, that, that's just ridiculous. Now, I know that Albo said it'll stimulate the economy. Well, I can think of a hell of a lot better things to stimulate the economy, you know, than that. That argument was not. But what the, what the bad thing is about it, Morrison will delay the elections until a significant number of people are vaccinated. And then in the election, he will get up and say, I got them all vaccinated without wasting $6 billion that Albo was going to waste in doing this. And he'll say that day after day after day and wrap it round his ears the way he did with Bill Shorten and, and franking credits. And politically, it was absolutely, you know, you know, dumb. Now, my belief is that we say to everybody, after you've had a chance of getting the vaccine, and mind you, you just can't roll up and get it, as you know, after you have that, that, that this, this, this uh, you know, you know, vaccine. If you had a chance, if you don't sign up, you're going to get three hundred dollars super tax put on your tax return. You're going to pay it because you won't pay a fine if we do it. We're going to whack it on your income tax, and you're done. And the best way to get it off your income tax is to tell that you've had your needle and to say to people, you're going to get three hundred dollars off your welfare if you don't get it. And the best way to say that's get the needle and we'll give it back to you, you know, straight away. And, and I just think it's ridiculous that people, I mean, I got my two jabs, not because I need them. I reckon I can fight COVID-19 anyway. I reckon it's highly overrated. But I got it because it was the right thing to do as a citizen. I got my two jabs early. And so I'm not an anti-jabber. At all, I've got, and I must say, I didn't have the slightest headache, bit of pain, anything. All, all the stuff about AstraZeneca being no good is rubbish. Now, James, I think you disagree with me. Now, I'm ready to take you on, mate. Now, what, what, do you, what do you got? What do you got in your army? Uh, well, let's go. Um, first thing I'd say is I I can't get behind um, chucking the three hundred dollar no vax levy on welfare recipients at all, just because they're doing it tough enough as is, and um. You know, say you've got someone on welfare who um, can't or doesn't want to get the vax for whatever reason, um, and you chuck the three hundred dollar tax levy on them. Um, it's probably going to hurt their kids more than it will hurt them. Well, they can um, so they go and get the vaccine, mate. It's not a matter of whether we like it; is what is right for Australia. And what, so they're not disadvantaged. All they got to do to get their three hundred dollars back is go down the road and get a jab. Now they're not going to get hurt. Their kids aren't going to starve. They fix that. By getting a jab, I, I got no compassion for him uh, at all. As you know, I'm out there in the community, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm not going to go giving money to helpless people who, who you know, won't get a vaccine yep. money. Well, like you say, um, I suppose if you were going to roll out a program like that, the most important part is to only do it after everyone's had the chance exactly. at the vaccine. I, I know in my Blue Mountains here, like um, our local member, Trish Doyle, on Facebook's been posting lately about the, like, we, we don't have vaccines at our GP offices yet um, here. I know a lot of places do. Um, we, we don't have vaccines at our GP offices, so it's a lot harder in areas like ours to get access. The scandal, um, the, scandal the, the way the vaccine thing, uh, you know, has been handled. And look, look, I don't believe that our national leaders believe this is an emergency. If if, if COVID-19 is emergency, the Delta strain scaring the hell out of us, why do people have to queue up for hours upon hours just to get a test? Why isn't the government saying that we will have these things open 24-7? Mm -hmm. You can 
come at one o'clock in the morning and get your back in one second. People queue for two hours and at five o'clock, they get there and they say, it's closed, we're going home. Now, I think that is absolutely true. Whether it's testing or getting a vaccine, I will not believe that our governments are taking this seriously until both things are open, vaccine testing 24-7 and cut out the nonsense. that They're insulting the Australian population. They really are. No, I completely agree. And um, on, in, on that note, especially, um, because, like, I know, um, you know, I, I wouldn't feel particularly comfortable um, having to line up at a testing facility or a vaccine line with people who may or may not have COVID and stand there with them for two hours um, in an unsafe environment. Um, like, I know, again, going back to our local member, Trish Doyle, who's wonderful, um, she's been calling for um, mass fax clinics in the mountains because, like, our biggest and closest thing is the one, uh, the regatta centre down in Penrith, which services such a massive catchment, like the Penrith area, um, overlaps into the Blacktown area, into the Hawkesbury, into a bit of southwestern Sydney, um, in terms of, like, the area it services. That's, like, probably, I don't know, doing really bad mental math close to a million people um, who that one sort of vaccine hub can service. And that's not sustainable. That's not safe. Um, but going back to Albo's $300 idea, um, look, um, I... I Australians are selfish people. We, we don't like to admit it, um, but we can be very, very selfish people sometimes. Well, um, I reckon anybody who takes the $300 is very selfish. You've been, and you, you exclude it, James. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean it, it is. I mean, it, it, it is just, uh, you, you know, disgusting. Uh, look, I'm going to get it. If Albert brought this in, I wouldn't get it because I, he, said, he said he's going to give it to everybody who's got the jam and everybody might critique. Otherwise, he'd have a revolt if, if people would just say, well, why the hell didn't you do it when I started? And so, you know, it, it, it is, you know, just, just, just ridiculous that 70% of the people, in my view, will eventually turn up. So why the hell pay them $300? I think that's as dumb as all hell. I suppose um, one thing it could do is um, speed up people to get it who are sort of, 50, 50 on it or people who think oh oh it can wait it can wait it's not a big deal i'm not planning on international traveling this year or i don't work in the city so i don't have to do it like people with that sort of attitude um who are sort of on the fence about like i know um i have some friends in america um some of them live in the city in places that were really hard hit by COVID, and they got their vaccine asap um, others who live in sort of really rural and remote areas where COVID hasn't um, hit as hard have been more lax with getting the vaccine, even though it's available to them, just sort of thought, oh, they'll get it next time whenever they have to head to their GP, whenever that may be. Um, so I suppose those are the sorts of people who a program like this would get to turn out by imposing a deadline of if you get it by this time, we'll give you the money, show me the money. The other thing is you, you talk about um, sort of, it's really sad that something like this would have to be done to get people to support their fellow man. And I completely agree. But like, I suppose it's sort of for the same reason um, we let people deduct charity uh, donations on their tax. Um, you know, like it's sort of sad that 
We, we, well, we, I agree. To, we yeah. ought to give it without a tax deduction. Totally agree, but it's part of the tradition of Australia. Mm. We ought to give it without a tax deduction. Yeah, uh, like it. And, and I would work steadily towards that happening so we become a philanthropic nation, but you know, by desire to, you know, to do it. But I, I just thought, you know, I, I, I really was disgusted. And, and Morrison will hammer the hell. He's now given Morrison the next election in, in uh, you know, in my, you know, in my view. And, you know, in doing this, let, let me lean on to this then, James. I'm giving you a territory. You're a good member of the Labor Party, or I think you are, unless you haven't paid your sum lately. I, I've never joined a, a political party in my life, and I never will. I'm, I try to be a genuine independent. And if you look at Twitter and Facebook, you'll see that I hit Morrison just as hard as I hit Albo and Vice, because mm -hmm. I don't look forward to an Australia where either of them is the Prime Minister. I just don't look forward to that happening. Now, Albo, in my view, uh, is losing the election. I mean, Morrison should be losing it by the length of the straight. He shouldn't even be within Cooey and getting anywhere near it. And the bookies have got Morrison in front. Uh, Albo is lagged behind as the preferred, uh, the preferred Prime Minister. And while Albo is, is a decent bloke, I've known him for a long time, he's not Prime Minister material. Albo's the sort of bloke you need in the government to fix things and get things going and get legislation through, which he did to keep Julia Gillard in power for three years. That was Albo at work, his superb you know, job. In, in there, but he hasn't got it. Now, I believe that Tanya Flibersek, who's been in Parliament 25 years, very experienced person, could win for several reasons. I mean, I think it's time that we had another female prime minister. I think with all the, for all about with Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and Julia Banks and all of those things, there is a feeling out there that time a woman had a go. And I believe that Tanya would get the female vote that Albo is not, you know, going to get. And I don't believe that Morrison would know how to handle a woman out on the hustings. He's still an old male chauvinist, and I reckon he wouldn't know what the hell to say if he was out there in front of Tanya. And so I, I would reckon they should make a leader tomorrow. Now, you tell me, James, if you said that in the Labor Party, would you be taken out to the gallows and hung? Tell me, tell me what. Oh, look, um, everyone loves Tanya. Um, I suppose I query. As, as much as I do love Tanya, whether the Labor Party's problems are Albo himself or are sort of more broader and deeper than that. Because, like, Labor is taking some very um, good policies to the next election. Uh, for example, um, in a sort of push that was started by um, people in groups like the Unemployed Workers Union that has been since taken up by Linda Burney, um, Labor opposes the rollout of the cashless welfare card um, across all of Australia, which is something the Liberals are really, really pushing for. And that's such a dehumanising program. Um, it's such an unfair program on welfare recipients. Uh, Labor's policies on childcare, on health, etc., are significantly not, better than the coalition. Not, they're not going to win an election. No. People vote on their money. You know. oh, completely agree. Um, but where I was going with this is conversely, um, Labor's abandoned some of their really good policies as well. Um, and I think that's going to really hurt them. They've abandoned um, 
rolling out dental as part of Medicare for seniors. Yeah. Um, they've they've abandoned. Absolutely appalling change. And, and they backed down on franking credit. Mm -hmm. They were absolutely dead right that franking yep. should not be given to people who don't pay tax. I mean, the whole idea was you're not to pay tax twice, and they're giving it to people who don't pay tax at all. <laughs> they sold it badly. And I said to Bill Shorten a week before the election, mate, grandfather, and all those people out there who base their retirement on this and are now, I said, look, just grandfather and say, this is happening from this date. If you've got it up to now, you're going to keep it. You're going to keep it. But from now on, everybody gets used to the fact it's not going to be. All they have to do is do something. So Alba the other day ratted on, you know, he's going to let the tax cut for wealthy people go. Yes. Sickening. Almost vomit more than the $300 thing. Awful. He's going to give that tax for people who don't need it, because he's trying to pretend that he's like Morrison. Who the hell wants to be like Morrison? <laughs> exactly. It's awful. And, like, as, as a Labor member, it makes me very, very mad. Um, between the, like, the, the pledging to keep the tax cuts for people on 200 grand and the backing down from the franking credits thing and the reversal of the promise to expand dental to seniors, it's been a very hard week for someone who holds a Labor Party membership card and seriously believes in quality for everyone, um, not just for the middle class and up. Um, like, I, you know, as, as someone who really does support a strong welfare state and strong universal health care, um, seeing Labor back down on these proposals, um, being as someone who supports a fair attack system as well, seeing Labor back down on all this stuff's been really hard. Um, that, that obviously their list of policies still blows the coalition's list of policies out of the water, but um, that does not in and of itself win elections. And I think one, one type of politics I don't believe in is Labor not doing something because they're scared of how the coalition's going to attack them for doing it. Because if you go in with that mentality, you've already lost because you've already abandoned your morals and your promises. Now, what you have to do is, and this is what they couldn't do last election with franking credits, if a policy is good and right for Australia, like increasing the welfare rate to the poverty line or indeed going to universal basic income, like getting rid of those stage three tax cuts and like the franking credits policies, you have to find a way to sell it. You can't just phone it in and say, oh, this is too hard. We'll put this in the too hard basket. Morrison will throw us under the bus for this. If you've got a policy that will help contribute to ending intergenerational inequality, if you've got a policy that will combat climate change, if you've got a policy that will um, promote healthy ageing, um, all these real key issues of our time, you can't just throw it in the too hard basket because you're scared what the Liberals are going to say. Yeah, absolutely true, James. Now, I, 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 you know, I've been born in 1931. That's 30 years after Federation. But if you go back 30 years, you look at all the elections since Federation, the ALP was the only party that's existed non-stop since 1901. Conservative parties have changed their names about five times, but the ALP's been, 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 been there. And, and the sad thing is that the Labor Party has lost two out of every three elections since 1901, 120 years. Two out of every three elections. And when you look at it, the Conservative Party, whatever name there was at the time, got around and said, 
If you give money to the Labor Party, they'll hand it out on welfare, they'll bankrupt the country. A vote for the Labor Party is a vote to lose your money. And they've said that, and I've heard it since my time in the 90s, over and over again, the Labor Party is going to lose your money. And that's what Shorten, that's what Morrison did in the last election. He had one speech and one speech only, and I could have said it for him at the end of the whole thing. He'd get round and basically say, Bill Shorten's a total bastard and he's going to lose your money. And he said that over and over. And Bill Shorten didn't refute that. He just thought the public would think that was a joke. Well, it didn't. And that's what he said. That's what he was saying in Elbow with this 300 bucks. He was going to spend six billion bribing people and I've got them all vaccinated for nothing. And so the Labor Party has gone into this trap again that they, they're going to wreck your money. Now, the facts of the matter are that Hawke and Keating did not lose their money. And we don't, the Labor Party doesn't ever get round and promote that at all. Now, I better calm down a minute, Jane. What, what do you want to say? Well, I mean, think of how many um, amazing programs in this country that we have, the, the very few that the Liberals haven't crashed and burned yet. They put every... Um, waking the hour into trying to crash and burn like that were the results of people like Whitlam doing something visionary doing something that the Liberals would throw their arms up and down about and say no no you can't do this it's spending too much money um, obviously now Hex is a watered down version of Whitlam's free tuition um, scheme but nevertheless without Whitlam doing that um, who knows we might have like an American style college system today where you can only afford to go to college if you're supremely rich otherwise you get crushed with um enormous you know six-figure student debts just yeah. wanting to better your own life uh look look at medicare um if we didn't have medicare right now and someone proposed implementing it you'd bet your bottom dollar scott morrison would jump up and down and say oh no we can't do this it's it'll be taking your money it'll be this that and the other so um all the major visionary changes we've had in Australia that have been costly. Um, the, the cost is no barrier. Like, yeah, imagine, like, the, the American healthcare system, the quote-unquote private healthcare system, um, which is supposed to be, according to them, so much more efficient. Um, the cost to the economy of that are spiralling. Like, they have, like, a million people who are medically bankrupt in that country, which is insane. So... Um, and again, their private student debts um, lead to so many people not being able to buy a house, not being able to break out of the student debt trap. People in their like late 30s who are still repaying their student debts. And, you know, the Liberals who want to, who are slowly pushing us towards very privatised student debt uh, under the guise of saving money um, will tell us that that's actually more efficient when in reality, the human cost and the economic cost are both so, so severe. And it's programs like that that Labor needs to stand up and defend. Um, Australians' right to free education, Australians' right to free healthcare, Australians' right to, even if they don't have a job, um, the safety net. And those are the things that they need to figure out a strategy. Like, like I've said before, um, it, well, while it is true that you, people may say, oh, you know, increased welfare spending will... Um, lead Scott Morrison to throw his arms up and down and say, Labor's going to take your money. Um, conversely, the other side of the political coin, putting aside the humanitarian thing, is that with COVID, given we don't have universal basic income, we now have like 1 1.5, 1 1.6 million unemployed Australians. 
And if Albo were to stand up tomorrow and commit to putting their income um, at the poverty line instead of $300 below the poverty line where it is now, that would be 1.6 million votes he would snap up like that. Um, and Dan, you're making some good points there. I'm, just, I'm not being rude and interrupting, but our 30 minutes is almost up to forecast what we can do. Next. Can I just finish that little argument by saying Morrison is the greatest seller of lies, L-I-E-S, that I've ever struck in my life. He can take an abject lie and sell it to the public as if it was a God-given statement, and Albo can't do it. I've never seen a bloke like Morrison being able to sell nonsense to people and people believe it. And that, next week, I think we might talk about how uh, Morrison is a salesman and Albo is a salesman. I think, you, you know, that's important. But next week, James, we need to talk about climate change, all the fires in Europe. I believe that climate change is a greater threat to the world than COVID-19. We'll kill more people than COVID-19. We put it on the back burner and there's a conference coming up in Glasgow. You and I should have a look at that. Uh, you know, at climate change, we'll have a look at, you know, as I say, you know, Elmo versus uh, uh, Morrison and, uh, you know, and, and a few other things. But so we've spent a half hour this morning. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And and uh, we will spread the word of what we've done today as far as we can. And I'll look forward to uh, uh, to next Saturday. So goodbye for now, James. Thanks, Everald. Um, yeah, it's it's been a good chat. And I mean, if there's one thing I suppose to take about what we've done from this chat today, it's to call on our leaders, specifically probably Almo, because I don't see Morrison doing it, um, really committing to making people's lives better and getting out of his shell and, you know, abandoning this stupid small target strategy. Um, because we, the, I suppose the, the takeaway from our chat today is we, we seriously lack someone in Australia who has vision to make the country significantly better for all vulnerable Australians. And that's the sort of person we want to see. Good on you all. Look forward to talking next week, James. Bye for now. Yep, ciao for now.